Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Actors' Lounge podcast with me, Billy Dean. And with me, Andy Wolf. In this episode, we are going to be interviewing one of our Actors' Lounge coaches, the talented Terry Sweeney, and finding out a bit about his journey as an actor and acting coach. But first, let's go round the table and just have a quick catch up as to what everybody's been up to in the world of acting. So, Billy, what have you been up to this week in the world of acting? Well, Andy, it's been a bit of an interesting one. I entered, as you well know, as you came to see me, which was very kind of you. I entered a monologue competition over in Sittingbourne um, called Monologue Bites. It was a great competition. Yeah. Do you know, there was so much talent there that um, it was just a good experience. I drunk whiskey on stage, which I don't recommend that. Don't do it in oh, the you, That was dress. real whiskey in the, bo- yeah, in the bottle? Yeah, it, it was real whiskey. Holy moly. Which is why I waited until the end of the monologue. Oh, to, so uh, you weren't doing it in rehearsal as well? <laughs> no, no. I made sure in rehearsal, I put a splash in and then filled up with half a glass of water just because mm. I needed that effect. Cheeky. I felt it went really well. I, I felt I was engaging. I felt I captured the audience. And I'm curious yeah. as to what more I could have done. Um, I didn't win, but that's okay because the people who did win were extremely talented and it was great just to be on yeah. stage with them. Uh, I welcome your thoughts on all of that. Mm. So please share. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. It was a good evening. So there was 18 um, monologues in all. Um, I was sat right at the front so I could see up everyone's noses. Um, and I think there were five standout performers. Everyone did great. You know, it's it's a tough thing to do as well, these um, monologue competitions. Monologues are very, I think, uh, different from y- your standard sort of play stuff. It's like you're literally the one focus. Um, yeah, so five standout performances, um, obviously, including your good self. Uh, there was another Actors Lounge. Were there two Actors Lounge people? There was four. Uh, there was four of really? us. Really? We are oh. a clan. We are... We're winning. I didn't realise because I haven't met everyone, you see. You've probably met more of them than No, I not have, at all. Yeah, but... When I arrived, they knew of me because, obviously, I organised the mm. Kent Filmmakers Meetup. Yeah, they'd all heard my name and, well, Billy Dean's not a name that I want you to forget. <laughs> well, let's just put it that way. A lot to deliver it in a special way that doesn't yeah, make me it's sound also memorable because it's, uh, you Michael know, close Jackson. to yes, Michael Jackson. Yes. Yes. People yes, used to I ring know. my house up and sing that to me down the phone <laughs> when I was at school. Yeah. Um, people asked if I'm involved with you romantically and I had to say, no, Billy Dean is not my lover. <laughs> He's just a guy. <laughs> he says that I'm the one. Um, sorry, you must get so tired of that. <laughs> but oh, you know yeah, what? Carry I think on, I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's good to ha- it's good to have a memorable a it's memorable name like that. That's a nice thing about Wolf. Just you get you keep getting asked what the time is, <laughs> though, which can get a bit um a bit repetitive. Anyway, um yeah, so it was great. The monologue um bites. Really glad I went along. Really good to see you doing your thing and some other actors lounge people. Um, it was also interesting from uh, a staging point of view because there was nothing on stage. It's essentially a black box at times, a chair like yourself. And the, one of the things, my takeaways from it, because you always try and watch these things to learn, okay, you know, what worked, what didn't work, you know, because I'd quite like to do one of them uh, when they do their next yeah. one. 
Um, and the big thing, and I was glad to see that when you came out, you came right to the front of the stage with your chair. And some of the people that were sort of halfway back, or some of them quite far back on the stage, even though it was empty and there was nothing in the way, it sort of felt less engaging when people weren't using the the first sort of like three, four feet even of the stage. But yeah, great evening. And um, I, I think it's a tough one as well because like there was an audience favourite award um, and the one that won that, which was good, um, but it was a comedy. It wasn't yep. necessarily the best acting performance. I mean, it was good. It was a great piece. It was, uh, it was an amazing piece. Like uh, and the guy yeah, delivered yeah, and, it perfectly. Yeah, he did it very well, but it wasn't. It wasn't like um, dramatic depth of feeling. It was brilliant comedic performance, yeah. and and it, uh, those things are crowd pleasers, right? Um, there were other people who did some deeply emotional stuff that you know didn't win. Um, and then the girl who got the um, judges' choice was she had me gripped right from yeah, she the was, uh, first minute. She was brilliant. Uh, emotionally, and, uh, she again, was... Again, another Connor McPherson piece. It just uh, says... Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, she was emotionally gripping right from the start and you could just... You, you were there with her. Um, so, yeah. Good uh, good night. And I def definitely something I'd think about having a go at myself when they do one again. I, I, definitely, I think these things can breed opportunities. I remember saying to you when I got home that somebody came up to me afterwards and at first he said to me, um, have you acted down at the Guild um, in Gravesend? Um, and then obviously I said no. Um, he then responded, oh, you're not Irish. So it was quite flattering that, um, first of all, he thought I was Irish, which was great, which means the accent carried well. But second of all, he thought I was somebody else. <laughs> That's really, um, that is so good when that happens. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's a great opportunity. I, after speaking to him for five minutes, I found out yeah. that he was a writer for a few BBC things and is now getting involved in theatre with Inside the Area. Um, so that's an opportunity I've created there from doing something. Mm. And since then, we've exchanged email address and a couple of... Uh, mm. Little back and forths. Um, who knows where it might is, lead? Uh, I think, as I, I said when you mentioned that to me, it's one of the great things about doing things like that is you never know what might happen. You're thinking, okay, it's sitting born. It's not necessarily like in the bright lights of London town or anything, but you've made a good contact there and you made an impression. And, you know, that's, that's what the, it's about, isn't it? That's why you can never take a back seat on these things. You're yeah. to give, give it your all and, and, do what you can, you know, regardless of who's there. So moving on from me, yes. um, Andy, have you had any acting news lately? Um, not particularly, no, nothing exciting. I've had no auditions over the last couple of weeks or anything. We had another award for Strings Attached. I think I might have talked about that before. Strings Attached is the series I've written and, and directed that's been around for a while and yeah. our festival's uh, set is finished. So it's been about a year of that. And we've done really well out of it. So what's next? What's next? What's next on your cards? Yes. It's with a distributor that we've signed with. So it's up to the distributor. Now we've finished our film festival circuit. It's up to them to get us streamed or put on somewhere. So today, yesterday and today, I've been editing together a full version of there's eight episodes all in like it's one movie. So yep. back to back. Like sequenced. Yeah, which sounds easy, but you have to kind of put all the credits at the end and <laughs> thinking about how you cut it. And some of them had post-credit scenes, so it got a bit 
a bit complicated. But yeah, so that's out of the way, and it's just hopefully the distributors will get us a, a, a good deal somewhere and might make back some of the hundreds of hours and, <laughs> and the money from our own pocket that we spent on it trying because we want to pay actors you know you're independent and it's easy to sort of think oh i'll ask actors to do it for free but i i think you know we tried to give people at least 40 quid which isn't a lot it's sort of like you know at least get you a couple of drinks somewhere um but in the contracts we said if we do make some money out of it after we've covered our expenses, then, you know, we can pay you a decent day rate, which may or may not happen, but it's it's good to at least make the effort. So, yeah, so that's the only thing that's been going on with me, really. Um, and just, yeah, classes, as you know, at um, the Actors Lounge on my Tuesday evenings, keeping my instrument honed. Of which we had the wonderful Terry Sweeney teaching us. We did. Which was amazing. Uh, what a coincidence that you should mention that at this stage. What a coincidence. Because I think that's enough about us for now. So without further ado, let's rescue Terry from the green room because it's a hot day and it's literally the size of a wardrobe in there. Terry, how are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. I'm, I'm happy now I'm out of that green room. It's sweaty, isn't it? There's it? no windows. No, exactly. I did say to Abigail that we should cut some windows in it, but it's her garden shed. Yeah. So what can we do? It's pretty scary. <laughs> no spiders, though, hopefully. No, no, not, not a spider. Well, I couldn't see any spiders anyway, but yeah. <laughs> there is a torch in the corner, but um, <laughs> the batteries were quite low. Okay, so, Terry, hello. Our hello. wonderful Actors Lounge coach. Um, you've taught our group many times, and we enjoy you very much. We have some questions for you. So just tell us, how's your day been so far? It's actually been very nice. It's been a very good day. I spent some time with my wife, which is, uh, we've been together 17 years. So spending a, a few hours with your wife in the afternoon on a, on, on a Monday is, is quite unusual. Um, <laughs> how long have you been teaching at Actors Lounge now? Because I only joined quite recently myself. Yeah, this year is, I started this year. Um, I think in January, I, I was in contact with Abigail. And then I think I did my first class either at the end of January, beginning of February. So it, it's very strange. Though. It does feel... In a in a nice way, longer because it feels like, mm. like you know I I understand how the school works and uh, as you know what a, what a, what an interesting place it is and uh, um that there isn't anything else like it around which mm. is which is that's why I got in touch with them you know certainly not in the uh, southwest as well that's the absolutely you know, it's a godsend really yeah. for uh, yeah. people down here so tell us what was your journey into acting what got you involved in acting were you the sort of child who used to stand up on the table and entertain the whole family or was it something that you came to in a school play or much later um yeah it's a good question i uh yeah not really at home um i was uh, i was an only child i'm now an only adult so i guess i was always sort of up in my room in my own little world you know um but yeah at school um at primary school, I distinctively remember sort of being about eight, seven, eight, and uh, being able to get up in front of the class and just do some kind of improvisation with a friend, like things mm -hmm. like, because on TV at that time were things like, show my age now, like Faulty Towers or Far Show or whatever, and like, you know, to play characters out of that. And I just realized quickly that I just didn't, I could just do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, there was no, I could just, I just knew how to do that, you know. Um, I knew how to get up and just, I was, I wasn't afraid of getting up or anything. 
but I just knew how to improvise something and just go with whatever was going on. So that was my first sort of, oh, and, and, and I had two very good teachers, Mrs. Galvin and Mrs. Nielsen at that, those kind of couple of years mm. who were like those teachers from the, they're like, you know, sort of sixties kids. So they were kind of like, you know, play the guitar. Yeah. Get up and do, you know, they were much more kind of creative yeah. people. So free and creative sort of thing. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I really took to them and they obviously saw that I kind of had a natural sort of thing to do it, you know, to be able to get up and do it. And then we did, we had a school play and I sort of, I played the lead in that, but I wasn't, I, I, it wasn't something I thought about that I could do as a thing. <laughs> You know, I just thought that I'd just enjoy it and it's fun and, you know. Yeah, as it should be, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I never thought you could actually, you know, train in this and become, I didn't know an actor or anything or I didn't come from that world. My parents didn't go to theatre. My parents really liked films. I remember when I was a kid, you know, of an evening or if there was a Clint Eastwood film on the TV, the curtains would be drawn and the TV (laughs) would become like the cinema, you know, and everyone would You know, so as a kid, it was like, what's this? Because normally no one cares about anything. And then suddenly this is a sort of focus. I, me- I remember those things distinctively. It was better when I think, uh, now I'm going to sound old now. Um, <laughs> when, when we had less channels, right? Yeah. It was because when something was, when a Clint yeah. Eastwood movie was on, similar thing actually with my, well, my mum and stepdad anyway. If there was a spaghetti Western on, it was an event. You know, it Absolutely. was like check what time it was on you'd sit down you'd be ready yeah yeah and it was just interesting to see my parents suddenly really interested in something so mm. in, like anything oh what this must be something good then you know and uh i mean i, I guess because those films are probably <laughs> they're probably adult films really but and i was quite young so i probably didn't see all of them it's just that notion that that mm-hmm. was going on and then i didn't really i kind of went in a roundabout way i um i was i got into playing football, I was good at sport. I went to a school in Manchester and, you know, mm. everyone, that's what everybody does. <laughs> that's the currency, you know, for being cool. Yeah. So, and I, re- and I was quite good at that. I was quite athletic. And, uh, and then I started to find myself going down that road. Um, but, and yeah, so then I, then I stopped playing football when I was sort of early twenties, nineteen twenty. Um, mm. And then I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Actually, I didn't know where I'd spent quite a lot of time fixated on, you know, becoming a footballer. And then that didn't quite work out like it does for a lot of young mm. men and women now. That's tough world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a really tough world, you know, and, and you're a kid yourself, you know, you, uh, now I'm older and I see sort of realize that, you know, when you're 19, 20, it's hard to kind of navigate a very precarious world, but also a world that's very sort of masculine and very kind mm. of, you know, dog eat dog and. Yeah, it was, it was difficult, but, and then I, I sort of got involved in music. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I, I, I was working as, I was in a, a, like a little rock and roll band and I was sort of doing gigs and I, I really like the kind of theatrics of being in, uh, you know, I like the sort of showmanship of it. You know, I was like a mm. singer so, and a guitar player. And, um, yeah, so I, I was working as a TA as a part-time teaching assistant while I was in this band sort of, and the, a lady who was a, becoming a teacher had been to RADA and had been an oh, actor yeah. and had worked at the national. And, and so I was just, so what, you know, I didn't know that there was drama schools. You know what I mean? I mm. hadn't know it was such a world that was so foreign to me. I didn't know anybody who'd been into that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she explained to me about headshots and you know, what drama school is and, uh, 
and how, and actually you don't even have to go to drama school. You can just go and do courses and, you know, and so I thought, oh, maybe that's, you know, remembering as a kid that I could sort of something that I knew that I could just very naively think I could just do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I'm older yeah, now, right? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not eight anymore. I'm 20. <laughs> I went to drama school at 26. Oh, okay. So that's, yeah, you, you would, be, would have been considered as, as an Elderly. older one by the kids. I was like that. I, when I went to music, uh, do music at um, uni, yeah. I was 23. Wow. Um, yeah. and, like, and they thought I was ancient and I was married, right? Because I, I got married when I was 21 to someone who was a fair bit older than me, who was an actress. Really enough. Oh, right. um, but anyway, less about me. But um, it's, it's just interesting, that whole thing of like, you know, it's like you guys are only like a few years younger than me. Okay, you might be 19. but Yeah, but it's big then, isn't it? Actually, in 18, and I yeah. noticed it on the course, actually, you know, somebody who was 18 really found it hard because they don't know who they are yet. You know, mm. being a little bit older, I think, um, I know it's difficult because as you get older, you've got then a family or a job and, and you're kind mm. of on that train, as it were. But the, the, the students who were older always did better because obviously they can bring so much more. And, uh, they, and yeah. also you've, you take it more seriously and you're, you're able to go into your own emotions a little bit. I, I felt a little bit easier because you're not trying to hide it or push it away like mm. a teenager would. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, you know, yeah. there are also some people who are good as well, who are young. We you know it's, it's not always yeah. the case, but generally. But it's, it's that thing of, I think, being focused and taking it seriously because you realise what an opportunity it is yeah. as well. I think I, I certainly had that uh, with music. There were kids there who just like were wasting their time through it, you know, just kind of dossing through it. And I was like, you guys, oh, I think we have someone at the door. So let, should we let them in? Let's, um, yeah, let, let's let him in. There's somebody at the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking of the McCartney son. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's oh, ringing that, the bell. That's, that's, that's even older, um, isn't it? That's wings, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right, how do I let him in? Where is he? You've been admitted. He's been admitted, not committed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to have a cigar on the go or something, Billy. Hello. So you made it. Are you recording? Because we're already... Um... I am now. I've just pressed that button. Yay. Welcome, Billy. I'm talking about being a slightly older but not mature student at uni and how weird that yeah. can be. Yeah, you or Terry? Both of us, yeah. Both. Mm. Oh, right, okay. Uh, well, I was 26 when I went to drama school. And I, and I actually remember thinking, oh, am I going to be, you know, am I going to come out of drama school and be too old? Mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I was going to be 30 or whatever, which is crazy, right? Because actually <laughs> that's the best, you know, because you kind of, there's loads of people who are 19, mm. right, who are trying to do it, but... In 30s, yeah. you know. And to be honest, the, it's sort of a thinner audition crowd, isn't it? So you're, you're competing against less Absolutely. people. No, it's great. And I went to the Oxford School of Drama, which is a great school. It's literally out in the middle of nowhere. So you, I mean, when I didn't know what it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be, you know, turn up for a few lectures, you know, hang, hang out, go out on the Friday night, you know, but it's, it was like Monday, eight o'clock, you're in and it's like drills. <laughs> you're just drilled until you go home and you know, you're not getting home till nine. You'd have something to learn when you got home and then you were back in the next day. It was quite, in, you know, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but what did you but, do um, before that? What, what were you doing before you went to drama school? So I was an apprentice footballer. So I played for Luton Town and then I was a pro for a year and then I got transferred to Plymouth. Is Luton the one with the, where you've got to walk through the shop front to get to the... Yeah. Yeah. That's the one they've just got to the Premier League. That's right, yeah. Everyone's like their ground, you know, it's, it's a lovely little stadium when, once you're in, but it's, it's not compared to, you know, the Etihad or something. No, but you do have the daily story of the ladies' bins. 
Exactly. Every time you every, do you know about this, Andy? Every time you walk through the front entrance of Luton, right. you go up the stairs, and then this lady has her bins and her washing out every single yes, match wow. day, and she'll hang different things on the lines. And there is an entire Twitter feed about what she's got hanging on the line. Wow! On match the, day. I, I I went there in the seventies. My dad was a Luton Town fan. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know what? I remember you saying that on the first day, and I thought I'm going to keep quiet about Town. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to mention. It was, um, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a whole other kettle of ball games. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how funny! That's yeah. really interesting hearing about your drum school journey, and also about your. I just wanted to quickly ask you. I don't want to detract too much because it's about acting. What were you doing music-wise? What sort of period was that that you were in bands? So I bought a guitar when I was. Again, later, I bought a guitar when I was 16 because when you, when you play football, you actually mm. do have quite a lot of downtime, you know, because you, you can't train all day because you'd just be tired, right? So, and a lot of footballers play golf or they, and I was, just wasn't interested in that. And so I just bought a guitar and I taught myself. And then, and then I, um, over time, when I stopped playing football, I then joined a little band that was actually quite successful mm. in Oxford. I was living in Oxford at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, so I sort of got, and then that kind of led me into to drama as well a bit because even in the band, there's, it's funny, isn't it? When you're young, you sort of think, oh gosh, you know, when I'm 25, it's all <laughs> going to be over. I'm going to be old. And, and it's like, you can, you can, it's okay. You know, but I was sort of thinking ahead. I thought, well, how yeah. long is a band going to last, you know, and where people are going to go on and get married and all that. And, and how long can you sustain doing it for? And although we were doing all right, we we were all getting paid from it, um, but we weren't obviously making lots of money from it. So, um, yeah, I just had my eye on, well, is this, what am I going to do if this suddenly dissipates, you know? But I still play music now. I play, that's one of the main ways I, I make, um, make a living, you know, as I, I work as a solo sort of singer, guitarist, and I go around to festivals and... Uh, uh, do you think most of this has always been about performing for you? Because obviously, being a footballer, that's yeah. that's yeah. The, the the thing of performing and being up in front of people doing something, um, yeah, it's such a it's such a magical thing. And to me, they are. It's a very odd thing to say, but they're actually very similar. You know, being up on a stage, you have to re- you know being playing in a FA Cup game. Mm. You know, you have to have your wits about you. You have to kind of know what's around you. You have to know exactly what your job is, what you're supposed to be doing, know what everyone else is capable of, not mm. capable of. And you're, and, but you're living in the moment, right? You're not thinking about anything else. And it's, it's a thing, way of presenting you know? your skill set. Acting is a skill set. We're learning it. We're, we're not talented people that walk yeah. out there and do it. It's things that we, we develop as a craft. And the same as football and the same as singing and playing guitar. You take time and it's nice to be yeah. acknowledged for what you're doing. Yeah. And it is that you're right. And, and that discipline crosses over, you know, if you, uh, to get good at something you have to have, I do, I do believe you have to have some kind of natural, like sort of persuasion towards it in some Aptitude. way. You have to kind of, yeah, something about your thing has, like I was saying earlier, you know, um, I had, when I was at primary school, I could just get up and improvise. I just yeah. knew how to do that. I no one had taught me that. No one had, you know, because to me, it's sort of like, it's just playing, yeah. right? You're mm. just playing, but just in front of people. Um, and then, but then after that, then you can start putting in 
yeah, craft and discipline, and then you can start to take it to a level where you can but, get paid but, for There's it. something in there which is like <laughs> right? a social yeah. awareness, isn't there? That, that you, you, it, it's the same as when you're on stage, you read that crowd, you, you see what's going on, and you can feel it, you're emotional with the crowd, and especially the same playing music, you can tell whether they're liking you. Comedians have it the worst because they can feel everything that's going yeah. on. I'd, I'd hate to be a comedian because I just don't think yeah. I've got the timing for it, <laughs> or the emotional um, shut-off from when it all goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's the toughest. I've never tried it, but I think that's the toughest because there's no where to hide, is there? If you're a musician, you can hide behind your music and your, mm. you know, and or if you're an actor, you can get so involved in what you're doing. Or even as a football, you can just work hard, right? Whereas as a comedian, you if no one's laughing, that's yeah, it. Yeah, if it falls flat, it falls flat. I've seen some bad yeah, com- yeah. comedians in the time where they compare, sort of come on stage and sort of just yeah. done a whoopee cushion. It was that bad that he, he was like, well, that's got to be better than what was just on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard, but it is very, very hard. Uh, often though, a lot of good comedians can become good actors. But literally no experience because- whatsoever. You just decided one day, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, to be, we've seen you. We're, we're, you obviously come and teach class. So you're good at it. Mm. So there must have been something there in your head which says, do you know what? This is something I can do. I've seen these other people on TV. I've seen, uh, you've probably seen theatre productions yeah. by that point. And you've gone, yeah, that's yeah, a piece of I me. I can felt, do it. I mean, you have to, go, I think in life, you have to try and go with what you think you're good at, you know? And I, I've always felt mm. like I could, I know I'm a quite, I work hard. I'll outwork people, but I also will, I, I knew that I could just get up and do it. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I, I, and it's probably mm. naivety, actually. Uh, if when I think about it now, you know, because I wouldn't start a whole new thing now, right? As a, you know, it'd be too, it's too no. hard. It takes years to get good at something. On that same level, did you ever feel, I'm, I have this a lot in life, in, in lots of different situations. I will throw myself in there no yeah. matter what. Do you ever have that imposter syndrome going on? I did when I first went to drama school, yeah. In fact, yeah, the first year, I thought I'm not sure I can do it. I th- about halfway through, I thought it's mm. probably a bit. I'm a bit out of my depth, really. Um, and I think the school probably felt like that as well. But I just knew that I knew that I would work hard enough that I would catch up. And then, and then after yeah. that, then I'm then I'm gonna because I've done that work. You know it. Uh, it's just the simple thing of, you know, being able to sight read like we do in class all the time or, or being, you know, people have been doing that for three or four years. I, I've never done that. I never read out loud to anyone, you know, um, I never mm. learned a script. I'd never, but and I, in a way I think they looked at me and thought, well, in a way he's a kind of a blank slate. He's not coming in with, Oh, I've been to this school and I know about that. And I didn't know I suppose anything. There was a lot of people with that pretentious thought where they're, they're, Parents have told them how amazing they are acting. I mean, we see it on X Factor. We, we watch X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. People coming in, they've been told their whole lives they're an amazing singer or an amazing actor, and we watch them. And we go, "No, I'm afraid you're not. You still, you, yeah. you, because they were, they thought they were so good. They didn't bother to train any further. They didn't, didn't, didn't bother to develop the mindset, the, the creativity, the craft, the." The psychology that sits it's behind it—it's very much a modern phenomenon, though, as well, isn't it? I think from from when things yeah. like X Factor became a big thing, where I, I'm probably going off track a bit, but I, I always used to think when I first started watching those things like X Factor, I thought Jimi Hendrix went on there, right? Played a solo, sang, and like Simon Cowell sat there going, "Oh, well, I think you need to work on your voice, and we really need to package your." And those guitar solos yeah. were a bit, a bit, you know 
too far off. Do you know what I mean? It's like they, it's all become yeah. about packaging and a certain, it's not about doing it for the love of it, I think. It's mm. a TV show. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, en- it's pure entertainment that, isn't it? And, and you'll get anomalies that come through mm. that are actually talented and, but it's, it's a certain type of, you know, person or, yeah, I'm the same as you. I always think to be, I never really necessarily wanted to be famous. I just wanted to be good yeah. at something, <laughs> you know, and now it's like, you just you want know, to be famous. I can relate to that is, completely. Yeah. I just wanted to be good at something. I just wanted to be acknowledged for being good at something. Yes. And, and I guess those shows do that, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, they're a TV show. They're, they're in a different game, really. They're in the game of, of selling, you know, space mm. on TV and where's, Jimi Hendrix isn't interested in that. He's interested yeah. in playing the guitar and connecting with people. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. but people know that, you know, that's why, you know, if you watch Glastonbury now, why are all the, why Elton John is, you know, still, mm-hmm. he's getting the biggest crowds and why? Because actually if he was in a pub play yeah. and you go, he's great. And if he hadn't have made it, he'd still be doing it somewhere. Him. But I think the Rolling Stones, Absolutely. if they hadn't got anywhere, they'd still be doing gigs somewhere. That's, that's the purity <laughs> of art, isn't it? That art shouldn't matter about the recognition. Art should just matter about doing. Yeah, you're right. It's the act of doing it. Where the level is, I've seen it. Like I've played football with Premier League footballers. I've, uh, you know, um, worked with actors who've had long careers. I've, uh, you know, been in studios with musicians who are famous and stuff like that. Um, and you think, what is it? What's the difference? And it's just actually a lot of it is just timing, circumstance. Yeah. and But the thing that you're doing and they're doing, it's... It's there's when not a lot, lot in it. It's you know? preparation, as as they exactly say. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. You know, and and also you're right that it's that thing of just be good at it. Don't worry about all mm. the other stuff. Well, you know, am I gonna? It's just like just do this job well. You know, just if you're a footballer, just play this game well. If you're a musician, just give everything in the, at this mm. gig. If you're an actor, how can you really try and get this across? You know, and play and enjoy it. You know, and then on that if, same note, that brings me to the heartbreak of it all. When, when you have yeah. given yourself over, and the, the situations where I felt this, so I'm, I, I will assume that you both have as well, where you have given everything, you felt like you have done the best piece of your world and the director or somebody opposite just goes, nah, it was rubbish. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's painful, but I think you learn how to process that. I didn't, I didn't as a kid. When I stopped playing football, I was really, for a couple of years... It was, it was a difficult, I didn't realize at the time, cause I'm not, I'm not a depressed, depressive person or anything, but I obviously was pretty low because you'd spent all of this time, you know, trying to do something and then to have it taken away from you. Um, and in, in, in a manner that I certainly was anyway, you think, God, you know, like there's no justice, right? <laughs> You've given your whole, you know, and then you suddenly get perspective on it and think, well, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Guess what? You know, people you know, are very, very good at something. Don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have that career in it or not. So then you're right. You come back to what we were just saying, which is Mm. the work. If you're focused on just that, all of that stuff doesn't matter. And you'll get there anyway, because you're then just, you're just concentrating on that. And even if you don't get to wherever it is that you think you should be, you're having a great time creating for the sake of creating. It, it came to me not too yeah. long ago. I, I decided, obviously, I was going to get back into acting. And I went and did a couple of pieces where I felt potentially were maybe a little bit below me. I, I've discussed this with Dandy in the past. But at the same time, 
I would rather be doing that of something below me and acting and just doing acting than some of the other jobs I've done. Um, and that's what it comes down to. I just, I enjoy, I enjoy being there. And that is it. That's it. I like doing this, you know, because everything is, you know, everything can be yeah. shit, right? doesn't matter where you are in it. You can be Marlon Brando and get fed up with it. You can be uh, a guy cleaning out the toilets in, the, in Aberdeen, you know, and you can get fed up with it. And you can have good days as well, wherever it's night and it works. And, you know, we all have that. Um, it's just when you're, I guess, in our, in our world, in the arts world, you tend to look at people as a success if they've been on yeah, TV yeah. or if they, if you know their name and it's not true. I've seen, I've seen performances in London above pubs in fringe venues that have absolutely blown my head off that someone's capable of doing mm. that. And you never have heard of them. And I probably haven't heard the of them. The sad thing yet. is um, when you, let, I'm just going to use yourself as an example. You talk to somebody and you say, I'm an actor. And they go, what have you been in? The first thing you're going to mention yeah. to them is probably something film or TV. You're going to ignore yeah. the fact that you've done wonderful stage productions and things that you yourself are extremely happy about because they were the best performance you feel you've put yourself across to. You've done the research. You've felt the character. It's been you. We're status creatures. We're looking for the we badge. Are. We're looking for the, you know, even at drama school, you have it. It's like, oh, Rada's the best place. Isn't it? Mm. And it's the same teaching. You know, it's like, it's like doing your grades on guitar, right? Yeah. It's the same teaching. All oh, right. You can have different teachers, but at the end of the day, mm. this is what you have to yeah. do, <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it, it's all about philosophy. It's all about your idea of what it is that you're doing, what you'd like to do and how you're going to do it. And I think when people get jaded in the arts or they give up or whatever, it's because often that their view of it is that I should mm, be yeah. there. You know, I should, but I feel like, I still feel like I'm someone who's like got, is capable of doing something that is very memorable to the world. Right. You know, I don't feel it like. It may I just ever. be the pathways weren't open at the time is the way I yeah. see things. Yeah. And, the, and also yeah, lifelong, exactly. you might be 65 mm. and go, oh, actually, I don't even want to do it now, but I'm being offered, you know, to do this or. Or you could be uh, you know, Buster Merrifield, you know, retire, go back to acting in your late seventies <laughs> and end up in Only Fools and Horses. For yeah. years, you know. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. That's what I love about the Actors Lounge, actually. I re and I really do. It's not a is I couldn't believe that you know people have got jobs. They come in uh, in their evening and they're just putting their putting it on the line. Well, we, we've thought, mentioned him before you know, um, on the podcast, Rick. You are right. working with Rick at the moment, and I I found I, yeah. I spoke to Rick at the Kent Film Meetup, meet and so did Andy. Um, and I found him. An amazing character. I, I find what he does in his day-to-day -day life and the fact that he is finding acting now and doing a brilliant job at it, as well as having to deal with the struggles of dyslexia. And that's it. And, and it's like, well, I, I'm much, someone like him is much more interesting to me than someone who's even as a trained actor. For me, they're more, they're, because if they, can get those, if they can get those tools together enough, they've got this other, like, they've mm. got this other worldliness that yeah. they can bring that you don't necessarily have if you, and it's a really tricky one because obviously as a, if you're trained in something as an actor, especially, you know, you, you're very, you're able to do lots of different types of things. And if you're not trained, it's harder for you because then you haven't, you might not have the vocal range yeah. if you're playing in a big theater or you might not understand, you know, but if you can get those tools together enough and understand them and work on them for a couple of years, you can start, I think, you know, 
like he could quite easily go into Only Fools and Horses and play a character. Yeah. And he's got the character experience with the people easily. he's dealt with over the time. And you, you yeah. know, this, this is yeah. one of the things that I've been struggling with since I joined the Actors' Lounge. Um, I remember Abigail saying to me, I want you to deliver this as piece as Billy. Now, the problem is I've spent my entire... I, 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 I've mentioned before that I come from a Roman Gypsy family. So when I talk to my family, I speak yeah. completely different to how I talk to you guys now. But what I've learned is that right. to speak to people and to fit in with society, I speak as properly as I can. People might catch me out. Some linguist will listen to this and go, ah, no, he's putting on that voice. Um, but right, yeah. I feel that I have to, whereas somebody coming into it later hasn't had that horrible shaping of their personality. They've just learned to live as a person and develop a strong personality that they can carry through with them. Yeah, they, they've got that confidence that comes with that. If you know who you are and what you can do and, and as a person, then because a lot of actors, because when you go to drama school and when you're trained in any way, you're, you're often you're trying to take away what you are in order to get to the being able to play. But in that taking away, actually, which is a very, it's a very precarious business because you're saying that the thing that you've got isn't a value. Yeah. I speak, I speak, I speak like this. So I might, mm. as you know what I mean? It's like, oh no, no. If you go to drama school, you need to speak, you know, in RP or, and it's like, oh wow. Okay. So what's wrong with that? Mm. Uh, but, but, but drama school is right in the sense. Yeah. But you have to be able to be flexible enough that you can do that, mm. be your own voice, but also you can play yeah, someone's RP, you know. My, my my wife, who went to, I went to drama school with, we're still together. Seventeen years later, um, she's she, you know, she's surprised me really for. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, people who fall yeah. in love with drama school don't often yeah. stay together, do yeah. they? Uh, and uh, yeah, she she's from the East End of London, you know, and so she, with her accent, found it really hard. You know, she yeah. had teachers say things to her like, you know, you sound like you're from a poor family, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're like, gee, thanks. What is, so your your confidence is hammered. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, I feel the same. I feel people won't respect me if if they yeah. if if they knew the type of family I I come from. I love my family. I've got nothing but respect for them. But I also feel yeah. at the same time I have to justify that by speaking in a better way, or mm. by by saying I come from a Roman Gypsy family, but my dad was a policeman. Um, so mm. I have to yeah, contrast yes. all it. those all those things are what make you unique what make us yeah. all unique right and and i think um that if you think of it as like an instrument you know you're you can play a certain song on your instrument and it will be completely unique because it's you doing yeah. it and the more you try and not do that the further away you're getting from your your sort of truth and authenticity and i think that's a mistake a lot of people make and i've certainly been there myself and i feel that i came into acting quite late and studied a, a theatre course and um, I actually got worse at first because I was really? trying to be something. It was only after much thought and doing other things and, and meeting people like uh, doing Mel Church's course. I know you mentioned oh, her. She's, she's amazing. She she's helped wonderful. me so much with just finding yeah. a, a authenticity and a, a reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you hear someone like her, it just all makes sense. It just cuts away yeah. all of the the BS of it, you know, and it's just like, Oh, well, right. It's this, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I know what that is. You know mm. what I mean? And, and then you're right in a way you have to, some people who are trained have to untrain themselves in order to be able to, yeah. you know, and it's the same in a lot of, it's the same in sport. You know, I remember a lot of very creative players would get crushed in, in sport 
right, you, you need to start passing it. You know, you, you can only have one touch. Mm. And these guys can go past five stop players. Stop creating you know. and start conforming. Mm. Yeah. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing because actually in the end, what we want, if you want to win a game, you need someone who can do yeah. something magic. Yeah. If you go to the theatre or you watch this, you want to see someone who's like, what are they yeah. doing? This is great. Like, on, on, on a similar sort yeah. of subject, there was something you mentioned at class the other day, Terry, which um, in a couple of situations I've had recently, it sort of resonated with me. Um, my, my auntie came to see a green room I was in and she said to me, Billy, I always feel out of place when I come to these places, to a theatre. Um, she feels out of yeah. place at a theatre. Um, and you yeah. mentioned to me that acting should be accessible. And it's, it's something with this play that I've been sort of toying with the idea of doing myself. Um, accessibility is the key point to it. I want to do it in pubs. I want to do it where bring, and I think that's flipping what you're saying there on the head. That's, that's taking that idea of we have to be a certain person and speak in a certain way to, to bring it back to the rawness of what acting should be. Absolutely. You, you know, we, there's, there's a class system, isn't there? And there's a way of being and there's, uh, uh, and it's not interesting. It's not going to the national theater and sitting there and laughing at all the in jokes mm -hmm. is, is, is horrendous, you know, and no, look, they do some amazing stuff as well, but it isn't, you know, like I said, when I, I went to a fairly working class school, you know, nobody was, is going to be an actor from there <laughs> unless somebody from RADA mm -hmm. or from the BBC goes to that school and does a workshop and you start to see that it's a it's possible accessible. thing for you. They make it accessible. Yeah. 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 And they might do that in London in, you know, in working class areas, but they ain't going to mm -hmm. do it in Sunderland or there's loads of great actors. In, you know, there's loads of great actors in Manchester. There's loads of great actors in Glasgow and in, Plymouth and put, you know, it's just that they don't, they're not, it's, how do you get there? You know, how do you do that step over? And, uh, I mean, it is, you know, it is, there are, um, people who do sort of fight through it. And I guess that's part of it. You mean within acting schools? Yeah. With the acting schools. I just think, uh, I think uh, it's the accessibility um, of it is the, is the yeah. issue more than anything else. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think when I was younger, I wanted to be an actor. I knew I wanted to, but I didn't think that going to drama school was an option for me. Yeah, I, I was the same. I, I just thought the first thing I've got to do is go out there and work. Just yeah. generate, generate, generate. And that was expensive in itself. I'm like, there was people trying to sell headshots to you at £600 who you don't know who to yeah. believe. You're, you're 18 and you're, you're just trying to hit the circuit. But at the same time, yeah. you've got this whole rock star ideology in your head. That, yeah. That's how it's going to work. Somebody's going to spot me. That's what's going to do it. Yeah. And that, and again, that's the philosophy of it. Actually, this philosophy should be just get mm. stuck into the work. And of course you have to develop professionally. So you have to have an understanding of what the industry is, where you'd like to work. What could you do? You know, could you start your own theater company, whatever it happens to be, but yeah, you have to have your own thing of like, let's not worry about that. Let's make this really good. You know, because you could start a, a theatre company and, do, and be fully fulfilled, like some people do, you know. Um, um, and I think there's mm -hmm. not enough of that sometimes. It's all a bit like, oh, yeah, as soon as I've got an EastEnders, it's great because then I'm, I'm on, you know, underground a year and I don't have to, you know. And it's I, like I think a lot of it comes down to purpose as well. I, th I think it's one of the most useful things I did was with music as well is get right down to the purpose of why I'm doing this, why I'm wanting to do this. Um, and again, that was through, through, a, uh, an acting coach, but, um, 
it, I think so many people's purpose when they go into it is to get famous or to make my money yeah. out of doing something I enjoy, which is nothing wrong with thinking that. But that's not to do with the actual doing of it, right? So it's uh, yeah, it's much like with with you get the seven questions for your character. So you know where is my character? Why are they doing this? Where have they come from? Where are they going to? All those things. It's really worth, I think, asking yourself why. Why am I acting? Well, because da da da, and, and just keep asking the why until you get down to the root of something that's like it inspires you and touches you, and then all the other shit doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, because you're going to come up against the other yeah. shit. So what are you going to do then when you don't work mm. for a year, or you yeah. lose your agent, or you get ill and you can't do it? Whatever you know, where that's where what exactly what you said about purpose. I think that's really good, Andy. Is like where you just go. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to once, once this is. I'm going to do this, and I'm. It's fine. Like you know, you you've got your own inner system that isn't affected too much by the outside outside world, and that's tough. It's a, it's a hard thing for an artist to have because we're naturally quite vulnerable, <laughs> and we're yeah. naturally a bit you know soft, I guess, in a way, and we're naturally a little bit naive, you know. Oh, this I've, I've I think it's that fear of being self sustainable as well. At the same time, as doing it, isn't it? One of the hardest things that I found when I first moved to London after drama school was paying a thousand pound a month to live in a box and and try and go. So I had to have a job, right? I had to earn enough money to eat food, pay the bills, and pay the rent. And go and audition and be flexible. Uh, there, there wasn't any of those jobs really. There's, you know, they just didn't. You, they're all sewn up, so it takes you a year or two just to get into the position where you can do that. You can earn. You can get have a yeah. flexible job. I mean, who has that's, a flexible that's job? That's something know? I've I felt in the past when when I want to be taken seriously as an actor. And I'm curious as to whether you had the same. Um, when somebody asks you, "What do you do for a living?" Yeah. And you say to them, I'm an actor. That obviously, I'm not, I'm not talking about the following question of what have you been in? I've always felt ashamed to tell people I also run an IT company. I own an IT company. I'm, I'm a business director. I'm very good at it because I feel like that devalues me as oh, an actor. It's put you in a situation where you can be flexible. It certainly That's why has, I went, yeah. I'm, I'm why I went freelance. There isn't a, there isn't a pathway. There isn't a you do that, especially in the arts. There's just what you do, uh, and that's you. I know people who are really bitter actors. They're in their sixties and they're living in a studio flat in Muswell Hill, you know, and they're angry and they're, and they're jealous. And you think, <laughs> okay, so that's not the right route either, is it? You know, the right route is that. And often he would say to me, um, you know, if I could have just. I could have retrained and done something else and at least I'd have a house or, and it's like, well, why didn't, why don't you now then? You know, like it's okay. You can have, yeah. you can, you can stop, you can do other things. You can be a human being. <laughs> You're allowed to have children. You're allowed to uh, get pissed off with the industry and not do it for a bit. You know? do, do you think it's that people are afraid that they can't become famous if they do something else? So, because yeah. that doesn't fit into anybody else they know's story who is famous. You, you look at Robert De Niro and you don't go, oh, he used to own an accountancy practice. I don't know whether he did, uh, but he, <laughs> just something random. In most people's stories, you'll find they'll have had some, somewhere along the line, 
something would have happened that, that gave them the opportunity to do it. Whether that's just a, a lucky chance meeting with a director or whether it's, you know, you inherit some money, your uncle's rich or they'll write you a check every now and again. You know, if someone had said to me, right, I'll pay your rent for, for three years. Of course, my career would have been very different earlier on. Instead of it taking three years to get going, it would have taken me three months because all of my time and energy would have been focused into it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, there's the world and what they think, but you know what the world and, you know, the world and what they think. They don't, nobody knows, right? Nobody knows what it is. Les Dawson was a, you know, used to fit gas cylinders in people's houses for, for 20, 30 years. You know, is it a shame? But he's unbelievable. Yeah. And if you'd have seen him, if you're a real, I think if you're a real artist, if I'd seen him in a pub, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, 60s or whatever, I'd have gone, he's great. You just know what it is. Now, whether he became, you know, whether he becomes Les Dawson and everyone knows who he is, that's sort of up to the time and what happens and your own idea of, and so it's a lot of other things have to come together. But, but then is it more acceptable for comedians at the same time? Because you look at people like Greg Davies, he used yeah, to be a teacher. We, teacher know, we know he used to yeah. be a teacher. We look at, um, who's the Liverpool gentleman who's just started acting recently oh, as well? Yeah. John Bishop. Yes. John Bishop. Yeah. He used to yeah. be a salesman. So yeah. for comedians, it seems to be okay, but you don't hear those stories. I think it's an interesting point. I'm, I, I yeah? beg to differ. Alan Rickman was uh, 35, working in a design department as a graphic designer, mm. went into acting late. Um Samuel Jackson, first cast in a, a breakthrough role in his 40s, was still doing yeah. theatre, but no one knew yeah. who he was. Tarantino, this is, you're talking about chances, Tarantino went to see him in a play, loved him so much in this play that he wrote the Pulp Fiction wow. role for him, in, with oh, him perfect. in mind, and said, I want to bring you in I love these stories. So there, there is, it ha, it's just, you just see the yeah. end product, you know, you don't see yeah. all of the strife and struggle that... And I suppose it it's not interesting if somebody was an accountant, so nobody yeah, mentions yeah. it. So therefore, it's because you know, and the re- <laughs> not yeah, exactly. No and also, we've all got the story that works, as in what the public know as well. You know, and what the real story yes. of something is is yeah. often is personal and it's deeper and it's and it's nobody's business. And you know, I, I used to always yeah. worry about that as well. Like when I was, you know, certainly starting out as an actor. And again, it's that philosophy you learn to start to go. You know, I remember I was in an advert. Uh, for Worcester Bosch and everyone was ringing me up. Oh, we've seen you on TV. And then you think, God, I'm in an advert, you know, with all due respect to adverts, you know, it's done, I was quite well paid or whatever, yeah. but I don't care. Like who, but people care because they've seen you on their box. It meant in their something room. to them. Yeah. yeah. It's funny yeah. when you're talking about that thing about when people ask, you say, oh, you know, you mentioned that you act or it comes up in something. One of the things I used to get a lot, especially when I was, you know, um, so I was freelancing, going from place to place as a, doing sort of digital um, video stuff. And it'd come up and people would always say, when are we going to see you in EastEnders then? So I, when I no. got my very short one-line role in an episode of EastEnders, I was like, like so please, not because, of, well, it was fun, but because yeah. then I could say, actually, I've, I've already been in it. <laughs> not, yeah, there is nothing, yeah. blink and miss it, literally. <laughs> yeah, no, head, you, you know, but... <laughs> Yeah, and there is, and there's something in that, you know. If I if if I if I say to you, you know, you know, I went to Rada and I worked to the BBC for ten years, mm. and then I, uh, you know, you you start building a picture of me. Yeah, you know, I went to this school and I did, you know, you start thinking, oh, there, and it's just utter nonsense. Yeah, it's utter utter nonsense. <laughs> All the 
But then that is the world we live in. We are professional liars. (laughs) That is what we are training to do. Yes, in imaginary circumstances, we are professional liars, yeah. Yeah. But it's funny, isn't it? I never feel like I'm lying. When I'm acting, you know, and I never feel like I'm lying here. I mean, sometimes I think I'm I'm finding this difficult to do as a scene or whatever. Do you know what the ironic thing is to it? I can't lie. In in real life, if somebody asks me a question and they want a truthful answer and I know it, you will read my face. I will not, I cannot lie to them. I do. I don't like doing it. Whereas yeah. uh, the same thing on stage, I, I'm not lying. I am just being. I don't think it is lying. I don't think, I think it's, if anything, it, you're ideally you're wanting to be authentic, right? Mm. You're, you're being, yeah. you're being real you're telling the truth. in a, yeah. in a not real, in a not real circumstance, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah it's uh, well, as they say, as if, I suppose you, uh, yeah. you as if um, yeah. we, we've, I know we've gone a bit off Piece, but Sorry. it's been really interesting with with um, yeah. our questions. We've kind of answered some of the questions. Was one of them that um, Abigail's uh, written down was what would be your advice to actors in their thirties and beyond wanting to get into or return to the industry? Um, we kind of addressed some of that, right? Yeah, go for I. You know, I can, as we have done, I think just to reiterate a little bit directly, mm. that is that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it needs you. It needs people who are that age because no, everyone thinks that you, oh, it's too late and it's not at mm. all. I think it's the opposite. You know, everybody, it's hard to find good actors who are 30 plus, 40 plus, 50 plus, who are, you know, really committed to it and not jaded. Well, I was going to say the ones who have been doing it since drama school get to that. They're the ones you were talking about. They're bitter and yeah. angry. You are making me thankful for these grey hairs that I'm seeing coming through because oh, they're a sign they're of something best. to come. <laughs> come on, you know, autumn is great, isn't it? What a beautiful season autumn is. <laughs> I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> you know, we all love the springs. Oh, it's amazing. But actually we need it. We need it. We need this wholeness of, of things. And we, and, and we, you know, there's such a massive thing in our culture of youth culture, which is brilliant. You're right. Young, you know, if you're, and it happened after the second world war with the fifties and the sixties and rock and roll and them acting and mm. the start like, and it's now a time to move away from that. Yes. It's like if you look at a board of magazines in a supermarket, it's all got young faces on it. And it's actually, so we, we, we've forgotten that all ages are of value. Yeah, life you know, doesn't end at 25, as, as they say. <laughs> yeah, Paul McCartney played it, you know, I know he's obviously was successful as an early person, yeah. but you know, he's 80 and he's on stage. You know, so can you, if you're 80, can you not get up and play the guitar or can you not get up on stage and try and play Hamlet or can you not, yeah. you know, fine if you, you don't want, you know, but if you think, well, actually. Coming I was, back to uh, Elton John this? headlining. Um, mm. How Absolutely. amazing. Should we take the opportunity for a quick five minute breather? Yeah. And uh, come straight back in afterwards. I need a wee. Welcome back. I hope you guys had a nice break. We are still here with Terry. We can't get rid of him. Uh, (laughs) So we're going (laughs) to continue to ask him some questions. Um, Terry, I... uh, uh, when, when we first met, um, I, I, I had a quick chat with you and then I messaged you on Instagram and I messaged you, messaged you um, specifically about Meisner. I am intrigued. I'm intrigued about Meisner. I'm, I was intrigued about Simon Furness. I didn't quite understand it all the way through and it blows my mind. So I just want to give you the opportunity here just to sell it to me. What sell Meisner as a, yeah, a teaching? Yeah. Look, I think, I think all these things are how they're taught. So someone will teach Meisner differently to how I teach it. Yeah. I, I was taught at the actors, 
what was it called? The um, were you taught Street. by Simon Furness? Sorry, no. You were taught well, by I, Simon. He was a teacher at the same place. Oh, okay. And uh, it's in Warren Street. It's not there anymore. I used to go downstairs, and they used to do repetition. They did courses as well. I also did a course at the Actors Salon, which was like a six-month course. Um, and then, but then I would go every week to do repetition. And you know, I had a really good uh, teacher. But uh, yeah, so so sell Meisner to for me. All it did is it just stopped me thinking about me. Okay. With somebody else. It stopped my process of going, what am I going to do? How am I going to play this scene? How am I? Me, 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 me. It stopped that. Yeah. And as soon as that stopped, I started to book jobs. Because I wasn't going in. I was then actually going right back to what we were talking about earlier, which is even if you've got a script, you're sort of improvising with what's there. You're not putting too much on top or, I mean, it depends on the, you know, if it's an audition for commercial or something, it's different, but. Would you say that? I stopped getting in my own way and I stopped thinking, oh, should I put my hand on here at this point? Uh And I've I've just been doing this with my hands the whole time. And someone's talking to me about, you know, their their baby's just died and I'm going, oh my, should I have had my hands in my pocket? It's like, you're, are you? Do you know what you, you sound like there. Just recalling a memory of when I was a, a teenager coming home drunk and I shouldn't have been drunk and my dad was visiting. Um, I remember sitting there picking up a glass and going, oh, picked up that glass a bit funny. Did he notice that? <laughs> I was so conscious of every movement. I was like, he's going to know I'm drunk in a minute. I best go upstairs and I just stood up, put my coat on, forgot to say goodbye to everyone. Just, just just exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And it's <laughs> just so in my own And mind. it's weird because as an actor, you do have to be conscious because if you're doing a scene, a take and you have to have, you know, continuity, you have to know that, oh yeah, at that point I, but actually what happens is if you're in the scene with the person, you, you sort of have a, an outside, you have a little line in watching you anyway. Do you know what I mean? In some weird way. Sometimes you think, I don't know. And also you can ask, you know, what are we going to do this like from there and there? And is yeah. and, and it is a continuity person's job also to help you with that. So but. would you say Meisner was more of a, a psychology and mentality, uh, a way of, thinking about something or is it a bit more like yeah Brecht and Stanislavski a practice of doing something uh, mind you Stanislavski then moves on to like emotional recall doesn't it which is again a psychology yeah I think it's all of those things as well I think it's a philosophy I think it is a it's a method that you can use to improve you know because we all quickly you know stop listening we all quickly go into our own heads and you're not there all the time. I'm not, you know, but it's just a tool to make you go, you know, look at the other person. What are they doing? What are they, how are they being with you? Because then you're going to approach things. My experience of it was that then you're going to come along th- to things that are actually real. Whereas if I'm going in thing and I'm going to sort of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, on this line, I'm going to say it like that. Nothing's, it's all, I know what's yeah. going to happen. So nothing's real. Whereas now in this conversation, wherever now, every, I don't know what's going to happen. So it's real, right? Welcome there's to the no show. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, there's no like end other than, you know, maybe in the scene you've got to get somewhere, but the initial teaching of it just showed me that you could, you know, and sometimes it's boring. Like you go through that phase as well, as you just repeat with someone and you do switch off a bit and all that. So it provokes a real emotion. 
it provokes real. And I think if you feel something, if you experience something, the audience have got a chance yeah. of doing it. If you don't, they're definitely not. Because we're good audiences now. We've seen good actors. Netflix is full of good acting, you know what I mean? Or whatever. We, we know what it is. So if you're not getting there as an actor, we, we're out. You know what I mean? I mean, you could do some great performance, I guess, and that might be interesting, but if you're not really there and you can see it, you know, if you watch, I know, cause like in soaps, they often don't get the time to kind of have the depth to it, but you can see they're not there. They're just, just doing the lines. Doing, yeah. know, oh God, you know. yeah, or they're just trying to struggle to remember the lines they got the night before. <laughs> I, I'd struggle with that. Yeah. yeah. But again, even that it's philosophy. It's like, well, you just have to go, well, I'm not going to. Um, what, and because in a way with those things in soaps and stuff, they don't need you to say every word perfectly. It's not Shakespeare. They just need you to get across the, you know, they won't even notice. They're like, yeah, move so, on. You know, so you're actually freer. You're freer than you think. So you going from I mean? sort of learning Meisner to teaching certain points of Meisner as you are with the Actors' Lounge, how, how yeah. has that been for you? Is it? It's been a challenge because obviously when you go and, do a, just a Meisner course. It's a, you go a lot deeper from yeah. day one and you're, you're much more, you do the basics a lot more. You have to go right down to as far and nobody, normally we don't do that. If you say something to me and I start getting emotional, I'll move away from it because that's what we do. Well, to keep a lid on feelings from a young age, aren't we? It's like, oh, don't cry, yeah. have a biscuit. Exactly. And Meisner is saying, you know, don't have the biscuit. Let's, let's see how far you can go. And that's scary. Absolutely. And also sometimes how it's taught, it can go too far. Mm. I think, you know, you're not a trained psychologist, but it's like just getting, as soon as I got that taste for where it is, of where that level is, I know when I'm in it and I know when I'm out of it. So as soon as then, then I know where the sort of game is for me. And then it, and then so many things became Mm. a lot clearer for me because I'd studied Stanislavski for three years at drama school. I'd studied stagecraft. Mm. I'd done it. I've done all of those things. So I guess probably I was ready then to do something like that and then take that further. It was a natural progression for you from Stanislavski. It wasn't a natural progression at all for me. It was more like, I felt like something was a part of my, my own personal jigsaw was missing. And I didn't know what it was. So I started to, I, I, the, the Mel Church book I got and did one of the, her workshops and, and was like, oh, okay, this is really like something good. This is now, because I was going to a lot of auditions. And so I was sort of in the room and I, I was doing, I'd done a few little fringe things and then I got a little TV, you know, so I was doing the odd thing, but I wasn't, I felt like there was some, something I wasn't doing. And then when Meisner came along, mm. I was like, oh, this is what I'm not doing. <laughs> Yeah. And I had a good couple of good teachers right. and, and then they, you know, they actually pushed me, you know, to a place where I was a little bit uncomfortable, I guess. And then, uh, but only then can you have that breakthrough. Right. And even then I was actually a bit, still a bit afraid yeah. of it for a while. I was a bit like, Oh shit, do I want to go back? It's fuck, you know, you have to, you know, it's a Tuesday night and it's November and I could just be at home, you know, and I'm going down to this place and it, I'm going to be vulnerable. Right. It's like the film, I don't know if you've ever seen Whiplash, you know, with the Yeah, uh, amazing film. Where do you go? You know, how good do you want to be and where, you know, I, I, as a teacher, you know, I have to get, I have to look at somebody and go, like, I, I can, I can push you right down to your bones, (laughs) but I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I can literally, but I don't because I think, well, you're not, it's too going to be too much for you. And we haven't got enough time to develop that. Yeah. 
and then Joe. also bring you back out of it on the other side yeah, because you yeah. can't just raise somebody up to the limit and then go right it's home yeah, time so, now yeah. see you guys later yeah it's an odd and like that film shows you know is it what what do you want to be you know do you want to just do it for fun do you want to just are you interested in it are you going to die for it like where are you at in it you know and uh yeah, so I think, yeah, no, so for me, Miser wasn't a progression of Stanislavski. It was different to Stanislavski. I mean, it, it comes from that same idea yeah. of really going deeper with the work. And well, taking... Sanford Meisner was a, yeah. he studied the Stanislavski himself, didn't he? Yeah. And I think they probably all felt, oh, this is great. And now how, how can we, you know, because a few of them did Stella Adler, they all took it in other little directions. And that's what we have now. We have a, an amalgamation of a lot of those different techniques in our in uh, in the arc of teaching and, and in the arc of what we see on stage and on in in films, you know, and, and TV programs. So yeah, no, I, I, I for me it just worked. And and also I, t- I remember taking oh this is great, you know, come along to this class. And they were like, what's this? This is awful, you know. So it's it's personal, right? It's it what what hits you and what makes sense for you as a person, and also who it's taught by. I happen to have two good teachers. I also went to a class where I wasn't a good teacher, and it was dreadful. I mean, right. it was seriously bad, and I, and it worried me that actually because you are going that deep and you are trying to find, you know, where that is. But even for me, there's like a line of like, well, you know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm one for, yeah, let's do this work and take it really seriously, but it should be fun still. It should be play. And even if you are going to a dark place with something, cause you want to need to break through, you know, it still needs to sort of have a shimmer of, of, of fun and play to it. Otherwise it's what's the point in that? You know, you might as well go to therapy. So one of the things yeah. we appreciate about your, teaching style, Terry, is that you always seem to strike a good balance between being the tutor and one of us. I mean, is that something you deliberately set out to achieve or is it just your natural style? Yeah, I don't think I'm amazed I've got any style at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really, I don't think of it like that. I just think, I actually think when we, when you're working with somebody, we're working together and I don't, I never wanted to be told what to do. I wanted to like figure it out with somebody. I never wanted to be like, Oh no, not that. What are you doing? Like, Oh God. I mean, it just, um, it happened to me at drama school. People would, Nope, sit down. And you're like, well, am I gonna, I'm not learning anything. I'm just, I don't know what I've done. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have a style. I just try and, f- I try and look at what's going on, try and see where we need to go or want to go. And then I try and find a way with you there. I don't, it's otherwise it's, I might as well be doing it, you know, and I don't, and I, lo- and I love teaching for that reason is that all my life I've been performing in some way, whether it's in sport, as a musician, as a, an actor, and suddenly to just be able to go, oh, right, now I can help you get there. It's like... So how, you know, before the Actors' Lounge, because you've been with the Actors' Lounge about a year now, yeah, is that yeah. right? Um, were you teaching before that as well? And yeah. um, what were your highs and lows of teaching within this time? Well, it was all highs. I've always been very lucky with teaching. They're all like... Um, Lots of like one-to-ones, getting people into like the National Youth Theatre, getting people into drama school, um, doing workshops at colleges and uh, some drama schools and, and some universities. But it was always very, very positive. But it was always alongside acting. I mean, now I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have an agent. I'm not, I wouldn't say I was an actor, a jobbing actor like I was. I've got a young family in my life, slightly different at this moment in time. Five years from now, I'm sure I'll be doing something else, but yeah. But 
So I feel like I've got, I haven't got that thing of, I'm not like a jealous actor who's trying to, you know, or any, I'm just actually think, wouldn't it be great if you want to, you guys, you know, got something from me and then took that into your world. And then you, it, it helped you do something that you might not, or it might've taken you longer to realize yourself at the end of the day, teaching is all about getting the person to realize what they already know. <laughs> they already know it. You know, especially if you're an adult yeah. and you've been, you've been around a little bit, you know what it is, you know, generally. Um, so it's just about trying to access that. And, um, so yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd I guess now teaching for me is a more of a serious thing because I mean, I come home after class and I literally cannot sleep. I, I, I'll go through everybody's I, and it's not like I think, oh, right. I've got, and my head just does it. It just starts to go through what we did together, what you did, what you said then why you came in like that, why that didn't quite work, why that didn't look, you know, and, oh, I've done that before. And what did I do? And, you know, I can't sleep. I literally, honestly, I, I should be paid twice as much because I'm doing twice the work. <laughs> That's when I do all the work. But I, <laughs> I, and not because I'm, oh, I'm a passionate about it. It's just like, I naturally want to do that. It just like, you know, I want them, I want you to be able to be like, because I know how hard it is. It's hard, right? it's hard to get it right. It's hard to get up in front of people. It's hard to let it out. It's hard to properly listen. It's hard to, you know, it's not easy. And I guess because also I came from a background where I hadn't had a lot of help. And then I went straight into drama school. I was really in the deep end. So I was really like treading water. So I think that, and I never felt at drama school, like I had that teacher who would put his arm around you and go, look, you're doing great. You just need to, don't worry about that. You know, concentrate on the, you know, well, I think that's really nice that that's the approach you're coming from, um, that you, you want to be that person who puts his arm around people. And yeah. you are in class. You're, you're very supportive. Um, yeah. And I have to gauge that, you know, and it's hard. It's tricky because I, yeah, because my natural inclination is to be, well, because that, that to me is, is bullshit, you know. I'm the teacher and I know how to do this. Well, yeah, I might have done it before or I've had some experience with these things, but I'm, I'm actually learning as well in the process of whatever it is that we're doing together, you know. I'm growing. I know that what, what it is you need to do, but I also, I, how we go about that and what, how that happens. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. That's why it's great. You know? So as somebody who's been to drama school, yeah. um, as a, as a mature student as well, yeah. mature is a bit of a wrong way. You're 30. That, 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 that's not mature. Yeah. Um, I know some immature 30 year olds. Anyway, by the by, uh, as somebody who's been to drama school as an adult, um, do you think it's essential? Like, is it, do you think people can can make it in a career without it? it what what's your thoughts there? It's a really good question. Um, for me, I needed to go. I think because I hadn't had the experience before yep. that. But I don't think you necessarily need to. I think again, it comes down. It depends who you're around, what your life's like up to that point. You know, your parents might have been taking you to the theatre since you were ten. So you sort of know what it is. You might know actors, you might have been in a play, you know, you might have, you know, you, so the, there are many, many routes into it. You know, not every actor who goes to drama school becomes a famous actor and has a long career and not, you know, like not every musician who goes to music school becomes Beethoven. Right. So nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows. But the good thing about the grounding of, of, and the discipline of a drama school is that for three years you're in every day. There's an opportunity to get up, get it wrong, to learn, to grow, to meet other people in your industry. Um, and to really, you know, 
you get to do plays all the time. So you're learning. So it's like that, that grow, grow tank experience. Grow tank it? experience. But I think you can get your 10,000 hours in. Yeah. Just, just do the work. You know, it's like the class, you know, like uh, actors lounge. It's like, just turn up, just be there, <laughs> you know, just keep coming. It doesn't matter if you go off and do a job and you, or you get a, you know, it doesn't matter. Just keep coming, keep coming, keep turning up. Cause even if you go back and do the foundation course again, I'm going to teach it differently because there's going to be different people in there. There's going to be a different fight. I'll have learned more. They'll have learned more. We'll have grown, we'll have yeah. changed. And, you know, I think, you know, it's not like if you're a runner and you just won the marathon, you don't stop running, do you? You just, you have a day off and then you're back out on the street. You're running again. So I think that just about wraps it up for this episode. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And Terry, thank you very much for being our first guest on the show. It has been a wonderful pleasure having you on, as Andy said. My pleasure. Um, And we look forward to hopefully having you back in the future. Oh yeah, let's do it again. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you both very much.